Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. Chapter 16, we have reached the end of 1 Corinthians, and uh, wow, man, uh, I don't know about you, um, I, I have absolutely loved going through this letter that Paul has written to this church in Corinth, and hopefully it's been something that has been challenging and useful and encouraging as well, um, not only just to see and hear these really great teachings, um, but also to see that, boy, there are churches out there specifically Corinth, who were reading about, um, that, man, they had some serious issues, some significant issues. They had a lot of things going on with the church, right? And isn't it encouraging to know that you have Paul, an apostle, who could have come in and really just shut it down, right, and, and just called it quits, and there's no faith here, but he walked with them, and he brought them along. And that's an encouraging thing because we, as much as we want to be like super clean on the outside and really try to do all that. I think each and every one of us has probably seen ourselves a little bit in the Corinthians, and hopefully that's been something that's been challenging to us. Um, so you may be asking, like, what are we doing, like, with this reading and then praying about it is, is, is and then going into the sermon. So one of the things I want to really, really encourage you is to, that we take that time to pray ahead of time um, for a couple reasons. Um, we want to read the text that we're going to be studying, right? And there may be some things in the text that you're going, this is going to be, I can already tell this is going to be tough. I can already tell there's some words in there that are triggering me. I can already tell there's some things. And those are the best times to go, hey, let's stop and pray about that. But also, please always pray that you hear the voice of Jesus and not me or my personality or anything like that, right, is that we really have God through his Holy Spirit teach us. And what I love about that is there may be some things that I say and Jesus can erase them even from your ears of hearing them, hopefully, right? And, and you hear the right thing. That's my hope in a lot of ways. So I'm down with the miracles like that, okay? Um, so anyway, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, uh, we spent four weeks on 1 Corinthians 15. What a chapter. What a chapter. Here's my takeaway, and hopefully, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15 that was necessarily commanding us to do anything. But there was a description of the resurrection and having eternal life with Jesus and the power of the resurrection and why we can live in a way that's both courageous and faithful because Jesus did rise from the dead. And I love what Paul wrote to the Colossian church in chapter 3 of that letter where he said, set your mind on things above, right? That, that right there is crucial to how me and you are going to live in our world as our minds set on things above set our minds, set our hearts on things above, right? And so it's even less about, hey, go do something, but it's where is our mind set because our actions tend to flow from that, right? And so hopefully you had a takeaway and it wasn't just mind-boggling, right? It wasn't just like, oh my goodness, there was so much about the resurrection, it was just kind of crazy and all these things. But there is this 
this idea of stirring us up on the inside to be faithful and be courageous and be, you know, be able to go into the world in an unashamed way, knowing that the resurrection is real and true, right? Um, and now we're going to finish up here, 1 Corinthians 16, um, as Lucas has read. Thank you for that, Lucas. 1 Corinthians 16. If you're taking notes, I'm going to jump back one step. All right. You can just go back. Write down 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Write that down for me, okay? And here's why this is important. You can even turn in your Bible to look at it, just to make sure that I'm, like, you know, telling you the right thing and all of those things, right? Is all Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for correcting, for teaching, for rebuking, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God can be equipped for every good work. All right, why do I bring that up? You're like, Keith, that's not even in 1 Corinthians, right? No, 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 it's not. But this is what's so valuable about this, is it was such a good reminder to me to go back and I had to ask myself, how many times do I approach God's scripture and pray that I'll be corrected? You know, how many times as I'm studying my Bible in the morning, am I praying, God, rebuke me where I'm wrong? All right, train me, teach me. Like, I want to be equipped for every good work. And what I tend to find myself, like, doing, and maybe you find yourself doing this as well, is you can read the Bible and you're kind of like, well, I don't really know. I don't, uh, what did I get out of that? I'm not too sure. And we kind of, like, read the Bible to find out where the Bible already agrees with us. But we don't enter the Bible to go, hold on a minute, please correct me and teach me and train me, all right? Now, listen, in, in just right off the bat, face value of 2 Timothy 3, okay, when he says all scriptures God breathed, he's specifically talking about the Hebrew Bible, right? There, there was no New Testament yet, right? And you're going, oh, man. But hopefully that gives you even greater insight into the Hebrew Bible. Hopefully that gives you greater insight to go, you mean Paul told Timothy, that you could read what we call the Old Testament and be corrected and taught and trained and rebuked and equipped in righteousness, okay? So we've got to always be careful. Let's not throw out the Old Testament and go, oh, man, that just doesn't apply to us anymore. It absolutely does. We're not held accountable to the old law, all right? But we are taught and trained and corrected and rebuked through that. I think it's safe for us here 2,000 years later, 21st century. We have 27 books in the New Testament, I think it's safe for us to say that that's scripture as well. How do we know? Well, Paul called it scripture. Peter called it scripture. Jesus called it scripture, okay? Is we have a whole lot of things. And he, why do I bring that up, okay? Because there's an inner theologian in us all, okay? And sometimes the inner theologian in you may be much stronger. And you go, well, Keith, I don't know. It's just the Old Testament we can't really use the new scripture. And I'm saying, okay, if that's where you're going to take a stand, then please don't ever use the New Testament at all. Don't tell me that God works for the good of all the, those who love him. Don't do it. Don't tell me that God sent his only son because he loved us so much. No, 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 no. You've you got to, to, to abandon all of that or go back and go, you want to know what? The New Testament is as miraculously put together as the Old Testament that it's calling itself Scripture. And our early church fathers put it through an amazing amount of scrutiny before it was allowed in, okay? And so, again, I just say that because I don't know where you're sitting today. I don't know what's going through your mind. I just know that, hey, 
Listen, embarrassing confession. I've thought that before, okay? I'm like, oh man, am I off the hook now because he's just talking about this? I think we're safe now. I think it's safe to say that we can use Paul's writings and Peter's writings and Luke's writings and the other apostles' writings as scripture, right? One more I want to add on to that just to help us out because I think it's really exciting and fun but also useful is Hebrews 4, verse 12, okay? Is, again, on the same vein, the word of God is living and active. That right there is amazing, all right? It's not this dead book. The, the word of God is alive, effective, active, working, okay? Sharper than any double-edged sword. But here's the purpose of this double-edged sword. It's that it can divide joint and marrow, soul, soul and spirit, all right? It, it's that idea of this precision, but also being able to get into our soul and cut into us, all right? And again, my prayer when I have to study Bible, when I'm doing my quiet time is, please open me up, cut me open with this. And it said, because everything will be laid bare. It said, this, this sword is going to come inside of it and it cut us open and we're going to be laid bare before the eyes of him who, we, who must, we must give account to. All right, right there you're going, man, that's the scariest thing I've ever heard. Okay, that's great. You lost me. I don't like this anymore, okay? But don't stop. When you're reading Hebrews 4, read it all the way through because it gets really, really great, okay? Because he says everything's going to be laid bare. And he said, but here's the thing I want you to do. You don't have a king that's unable to sympathize with you. That, that's the next verses. I'm not making that up. He says, Here, here's what's great about it. Like, if you were to do this just in the world and get laid open so everybody could see everything you did, and in fact, he says uh, earlier that you will, your thoughts and attitudes would even be judged by the word of God. Right? That would be humiliating in front of human beings. That would be humiliating in front of the powers of our world. But he said, actually, no, this is good because when you're laid wide open to the one who we must give an account to, he said, we have a king who sympathizes with us. A king who's like, I've been through that before. In fact, he says, I want you to come to me confidently so you can find grace and mercy. All right? That's the good news about it, okay? So if you've ever heard Hebrews 4.12 and it just ends at, listen, buddy, you're going to give an account and he sees everything. And let's move on, okay? That, listen, I've had that. It scares me to think about that. But when I think about, no, this is a good thing because who I'm being opened up to is a king who sympathizes, a king who's like, hey, come to me, right? It, when you're washed in the blood of Jesus and you're, th this is what's really, really great is to walk, we can be laid out in front of him confidently so we can have grace and mercy. Isn't that a great thing? It is, so you think about this as going, man, okay, this is the beauty of having our sins washed away. This is the beauty of having the Holy Spirit come inside of us. God going, come here, I want you to be confident to come in front of me. Yes, you're a mess. I've cut you open. I've laid you out. I see your thoughts and your attitudes, but I want to give you grace and mercy. All right, isn't that amazing? And sometimes we forget, you know, you forget, uh, you got to see Morgan be baptized, Waymeen baptized, Carissa baptized, Linda and Lillian. And you know what's awesome about that is Jesus is going, hey, listen, I'm going to lay you open and cut you out. And I want you to be so confident to come in front of me because I'm going to give you grace and mercy. That you can go, here, here I come, confidently because of that. That's the beautiful thing of having your sins washed away, right, is that 
absolute confidence right there. So as we enter this passage, I want you to ask yourself, all right, are you praying, God, correct me? Or are you waiting for me to say something that you already agree with? Right? If you're waiting for me to say that, because that can happen. Oh, he said this, or he read this, and I don't agree with that, so it must be wrong. Or, or, or you're thinking like, oh, but you, don't, you missed the point of the Bible, Keith. It's to love people and to love God with all your heart. Listen, I don't know about you. I need correction to do that. Okay? I, I don't know about you. I don't know. Maybe that you don't need any correction or teaching or rebuking. I need lots of it in order for me to even follow Jesus so we can be equipped. So as we read this, hopefully that's the, how we're entering this passage. And he starts out, and this is, listen, it was crazy. This wasn't by design at all, right? So it starts out now about the collection for the saints. Um, l- let me share this with you. Is that word collection is not a normal collection. It's actually a special collection. <laughs> okay. Isn't that weird? <laughs> like today's the end of our special collection, you know? And so I'm just going to get up here and just like yell and scream and make you feel guilty. No. No, 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 no. But, but it is interesting here because it's very easy for us to go, oh, hold on a minute, this is what they did all the time. They didn't take a weekly contribution. That's not what this is saying. This is saying there's a, this was a special collection that was going to be sent to Jerusalem, and it actually wasn't going to be collected for over a year. Okay. And, and here's what's really cool. We're not going to get into it, but 2 Corinthians 8 and 2 Corinthians 9, our entire chapter is about this collection. Okay, you can go back and he has all the cool verses about God wants a, a cheerful giver and, you know, sowing uh, sparingly and reaping. Spar- all of these things is, are in there. We're not going to go. We're going to like be right here um, to get some initial correction. Okay, we'll get to 2 Corinthians. Um, but we look at this and he said, here, I want to talk to you about the collection. Okay, now here's the interesting thing is um, so generationally speaking, when you talk about money, there's lots of different things going on in different people's heads. In church, okay? And, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to call out each and every generation, but it's different. Right? Right, right, right. <laughs> right, we're going places, okay? But generationally speaking, okay? And so, you know, uh, let, let's start out, man, like Gen Z, millennials, you know, you're, you're thinking churches can't talk about money. That's ridiculous because they're selfish and the preacher just wants all the money. Don't talk about money if you're a church. Okay, that, that's kind of the thing, right? And then older generations are kind of like, what the heck are you talking about? I mean, be sacrificial. Give your stinking money. Stop asking questions. All right? And, and what I'm going to say is, is like, let's be open to some correction here. Paul said, now about the collection we're about to take, he's talking about money. Right. This isn't open to our philosophy. This isn't open to what we think should or shouldn't happen. He's saying, I do want to talk about this, okay? And we are going to talk about this, and it does have a spiritual impact on us, right? Jesus did say, like, hey, deal with your relationship with money. And I get it. I mean, I understand. I get the problem. I'm like, I see how churches, and it's very easy. We could fall into this, too, where churches can be saying, oh, no, no, you don't understand. you got to give us all this money so we can print, like, a million T-shirts, and you got to give us all this money so, you know, Keith can go to Hawaii on vacation. That would be great, right? No, Lauren thinks so. <laughs> But there's all these different ways. But he's saying, guys, we've agreed on a collection together. All right. So let's let's be serious about this. And he goes on. He says, here's what I want you to do. And he gives some really great principles. Just each week, set some money aside according to how you prosper. Okay. According to how you, here's what I love about this. Okay. Wouldn't had wouldn't it have been easy for Paul 
to go, listen, I know y'all are a bunch of screw-ups. Listen, I, I've been here for 18 months. Y'all don't have it on straight yet. Let me tell you what you must do and how you must do it. You will give this much of your income. You will give this much. This is the number you're going to give me right now. You're going to make sure when I get down there that you guys have done this equation to figure out, okay? Isn't it great that he didn't do that? He said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. You're a grown-up. Go home, and here's the deal is, is you sit down and pray. You sit down and be, like, like serious about this. You sit down and decide. You look at what God is giving you and set some aside for this. All right? And, and here, here's the interesting thing is the responsibility is put directly on the shoulders of me and you. All right. And so you're going, hold on, what's the correction here? I want to tell you when I read this, let me tell you. I, this is what I heard is, Keith, let me correct you. Okay, this is, this is what God's saying to me through this, okay? Because here's the deal is I have any number of excuses going on in my life right now, okay? Like, dude, we have had no kitchen for three months. You know, I've got a sink that's up on some, some like, sawhorses, right? I'm practically falling through my subfloor. I'm waiting for workers to come in. You know, it's crazy. We have money going out. I don't even know what's going on. And then, and I'm going, hey, don't forget, special collection. Don't forget, special collection. And then yesterday, I'm like, hey, Abby, maybe me and you should sit down and talk about this special collection. And you want to know what this is saying? Dude, let me correct you, Keith, <laughs> okay? Because here's the thing. There is no excuse to say, but you don't understand, like, this is going on in my life. But you don't understand, but I don't have, like, a dishwasher. But you don't understand, God, I got a lot of things up in the air right now. Here's the crazy, they said, no, 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 Keith, let me correct you. That's what the scripture is saying. Like, if it's going to be about the kingdom of God, it requires thought and prayer and generosity and sacrificiality, and that can't be done Okay, that cannot be done emotionally. All right, and he tells them in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he's like, hey, figure out what you're going to do. So when I come, there doesn't have to be a collection, and then you're like, oh, crud, I just, oh, man, I didn't bring my checkbook, but I got five bucks, let me throw that in. Okay, and so, again, I hope we're coming to this and going, where can I be corrected, in what way? Maybe it's just about money. Maybe it's just, because here's the thing. Have y'all ever been on, like, a self-righteous pulpit before? Okay, it's not just preachers that do this, <laughs> okay? You get on a self-righteous pulpit where you're like, no, 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 no. Listen, I want to know, like, churches don't use money well, and I'm going to be very, you know, all these kind of things. While I go and spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on clothes, coffee, right, like movies, I'm a, I don't care where my money's going. I want to hold everything else accountable or I'm not going to give there. All right, so what I'm saying is this. Let's do both, right? Let's make sure that as a church, we're fully invested in things that are for the kingdom of God. Okay, let's be fully invested in that. But let's, let's on our own individually sit down and not be hypocritical when we're putting judgment on something that we don't put on ourselves. Like, let's do that. That would, to me, would make most sense, okay? And so he's saying this. He said, set it aside in keeping with how you prosper. He goes, when I arrive, I'll send letters. He says, when I come, he goes, I'm going to Jerusalem anyway. I'll send letters, but you, you pick someone from your church that's going to carry the money there. You know, Paul isn't like, hey, I'll pick it up and carry it for you. He's like, no, you're going to bring it. 
you tell me who that person needs to be. So again, what I love is, is that just because you're struggling spiritually and struggling with some things, it doesn't mean you're incompetent. Okay, let me be very clear about that, all right? Those two don't go hand in hand. And we have to really be careful that we don't play that way, right? Is that we're not like, man, you're really struggling. You must be incompetent. No, actually, when I struggle, I'm ignoring the fact that I have competence to be faithful, right? That needs to be brought out more. So I love this. I love how Paul is leading here where he's like, no, let me bring you guys back up here so you can kind of learn, get back in the game, right? And then he tells him, he goes through this whole section here. He says, I'm going to come to you. I want to come and see you guys. Right? And I'm going to be traveling through, and, and there's this whole section here I'm going to be passing through. In verse 8, he says, I, I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door has been opened to me for the gospel. Right? Uh, again, just putting the, the, the earphones on the translators of correction and training and teaching and rebuking is, I think Paul, you know, he's saying, I really want to be there with you in Corinth. Like, I want to go there. Have you ever really wanted to go somewhere really bad? You know, man, I want to go there. I'm planning on going there. This is where I'm going. And then you go, but hold on a minute. Like, there are people being reached where I am that I can't go now. What? That's amazing. Because, listen, think about what excuses would you make? No, 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 no. I got to go and do this now because this is what I was planning on doing. Right? God will take care of them. Don't worry about them. They'll be here when I get back. Going, no, I'm staying here because I recognize this open door for the gospel, right? I, I love that. I mean, to me, again, I'm reading, going, oh my goodness, what a great reminder. Again, teaching, training. Listen, our, hopefully, this double edged sword is going in there and just kind of like filleting us open and, and seeing maybe the selfishness that's in there, maybe just like the independence, maybe just the lack of loving lost people. All right, Paul knew a lot of lost people. We're scared to say the word lost. Like we would rather go and say, no, I mean, everyone's saved. And, and Paul is like, no, 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 no. Like this gospel has to get in there. And so he goes on. He said if Timothy comes, okay, again, Timothy, for, for you guys, if you're an aspiring leader, but you feel like, man, I'm a little bit timid, I'm a little bit shy, I'm a little bit whatever, well, that's how Timothy was, okay? And, and Timothy ultimately ended up leading the church in Ephesus, which was a pretty large congregation, okay? But he's saying, hey, if Timothy comes to him, listen, I know you Corinthians. Treat him okay, would you? All right. Like Paul's like, I trust you to do things because you're not incompetent, but I know how you treat people, okay? Treat him well, all right? I don't know what you heard about Timothy. Treat that man well. And he says, about our brother Apollos, okay? Does that name ring a bell in the Corinthian-like saga here? All the way back in chapter 1, right? Some of you say, I follow Cephas. Some of you say, I follow Apollos. I mean, this is a guy in the Corinthian church that had some people that were like, I want to be like that guy. All right? That, that, that dude, there's something really neat about him, and I don't really like Paul that much, and I don't really like Cephas that much, and I'm going after Apollos because he's right. Okay? So he was a part of this. Um, and Paul said, I strongly urged him to go. Okay? So let me ask you this. Paul the Apostle comes to you and said, no, I strongly urge you, go. All right. And he said, Apollos wasn't willing. 
Now, here, here's what's fascinating about that is, is, again, our theology, we can kind of get kind of messed up where we're going, no, you don't understand. I know better where you need to go and how you need to be, so do it. All right? Isn't that amazing? We obviously don't have that authority. Paul as an apostle didn't even use that. He was like, man, Apollos? Yeah, he'll come when he's able to come. And there was like this respect and dignity for that, right? It wasn't like, yeah, Apollos, he wasn't willing to come because he's a slacker. He's just like one of y'all Corinthians anyway. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like, no, man, Apollos said he couldn't come, man. Who knows why? I don't know, but he wasn't willing. All right, and so again, hopefully there's like this, there's like this sub story that's going on below this of kind of how you treat people, right? Of how you treat people with dignity and competence and you treat people with respect and this idea of, hey, if you're an adult and you tell me you can't make it, right? And so he says he will. Then verse 13, it's like Paul was like, man, I'm getting close to the end of this thing. Let me crank it up right here in verse 13, okay? Be alert, stand firm in the faith, Act like a man. Be strong. Your every action must be done with love. And then he says, brothers, you know the household of Stephanas. Okay, so the sisters in here, you're going, why do you just tell me to act like a man? <laughs> okay, that's not a correction, a teaching, a training, or a rebuke. Okay, he's talking to the men. He is talking to so men, like, we have to, like, turn it up right now. Go, hold on a minute. He's talking to us. The Corinthians are going, dude, he's talking to me right now, Corinthian guy. Okay, which they have awesome names. Stephanus, Fortunatus, that would be awesome to be Fortunatus. <laughs> or horrible, I don't know, it's one of the two, but it's just pretty neat, right? But the guys, you got to put the antennas up. You, you, we got to listen to this. Because here's where it comes, where we've got to go, okay, I need to be corrected right here and trained. I need to be taught, rebuked. And you go, but Keith, you keep leaving out encouragement. Hey, man, believe me, the Holy Spirit gives us encouragement, okay? The scriptures give us encouragement. But here's the deal. I want to be equipped for every good work, right? And, and when he's, he's saying, guys, here's the thing. Be alert. Okay. I want you to picture this, right? If Paul, if Jesus is in front of you saying, dude, you're not alert spiritually. You're not alert. You're going through the motions, Man, you're just walking through life like it's a haze, right? Like you're just kind of like, oh, man, I don't even know. I kind of, well, I show up here. I know I have to go to these things on these days, and I go to them, and, you know, I, I kind of listen, but I don't listen, and I kind of agree, but don't agree, and, and just kind of like go through things instead of this idea of am I alert to what's going on around me? Turn over to First Peter chapter 5, okay, because I think Peter will help us with this. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. All right, so here's Peter. He says, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can looking for anyone he can devour resist him be firm in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world all right so there's this there's this great battle that's occurring around us consistently this is a metaphor that he uses here in this case of a lion 
like prowling around. Like, who can I devour? Generally, like in, you know, as you can tell, right? I don't, I'm not a lion hunter. I don't go out and like, I'm not that guy out there, okay? But I do know this from reading a website, okay? Is lions tend to eat old and young, okay? Sick and young, all right? Slow and naive, all right? You just go kind of wandering, okay? We, we can be like that. I almost hit a guy the other day in Publix parking lot because he was just like, like I'm like, surely he sees me. I'm going to pull in this parking space. And he was like texting, and he ran into me, and I, I wasn't going that fast. I, there was a side of me where like, I'm going to teach him a lesson and just hit him, right? Because it won't hurt that bad. Then I'm thinking, yeah, great job there, preacher. Talk about correction and rebuking. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, so there's this idea of being alert about the spiritual battle that's going on around us. Is that Satan wants to get in there and destroy and kill and tear apart families and marriages and, and, and just your life, okay? Wants to make you, like, give in to sin that you know you ought not to be giving into, And justifying sin. And Satan is there the whole time going, let me just like plant the seeds that are going to ultimately destroy you. Like I'm tearing you apart piece by piece. He's saying we have to be alert to that right? We've got, we've got to be alert to this great battle, but also we have to be alert to this mission that we've been sent on as well, that, that Satan is looking to tear people apart, but also there's this great mission of going out and saving the lost, of being alert about that. So I want you to think about this. Unfortunately, we do. We kind of live, in, and you may understand this, um, in a church culture that that is kind of like to make a disciple is optional. Like, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go out and share your faith. You don't have to walk with somebody through, you know. And, and, and sometimes we even say, no, 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 you can go and share the gospel, which means like inviting them to church. No, 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 that's not what that is. Sharing the gospel isn't asking people questions. It's, it's walking with them in your life and helping them come into a safe relationship with Jesus and walking with him after that to help others, Right? And sometimes we lose sight of that. And I want you to think about this. For if you have children, or you can imagine having children, okay, is this idea of if your child was lost, how exasperating would it be if everyone around you was saying they're not lost? They're, they're not really lost. Like, no, it's okay. I know you haven't seen Ellie in a couple of days. She's not. But Keith, calm down, man. She's not lost. But here's the deal is, is can you imagine when God created every human being and said, this is very good. This is my created child. And they went lost. How exasperating it would be if the people that are supposed to be carrying his name out are going, but they're not really lost. They're not really lost. It's the equivalent of, of, of somebody saying, well, your kid's not really lost. They're probably not in a bad part of town. They're probably in a good part of town. That's the equivalent of us saying, no, no, they're not lost. They're good people, not bad people. And we lose sight of what even lost means. So being alert that there's this, this, this great battle and this great mission that we have to be alert to and be taking like note of, right? Which is why Jesus told us, like, hey, go and do this. Go and make disciples. He continues here in 1 Corinthians 16. Let me go back here. 
You know when you have a PowerPoint, you don't have to flip your Bible like this. Much easier. 1 Corinthians 16, right? We're up there in verse 13. Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like a man. Be strong. And again, he just said something. We're going, dude, you can't say that now. He said, act like a man. Okay, but, but here's the thing again, is the story, God's story of creation, of redemption, his, his story of the church, his story of marriage, his story of everything came down to him saying, I'm going to create a man and a woman, right? And women are going to have characteristics and men are going to have characteristics, okay? And there could be all kinds of triggering going on right now in your head going, I can't believe Keith just said that. I can't believe you just said that about a woman, that women have characteristics and men have characteristics. What kind of woman hater is he? Like, just pump the brakes. Just, like, stop for a second, right? I think we all agree on this. Where, where, where the train goes off the tracks is when we start saying that, you know, men are superior, that men have been, been given, like, way more, that men are, like, have much more authority. That, you know, we go off the tracks and we start saying, yeah, no, there are certain characteristics of men that are, like, strength. No, women can't be strong. That's a man's quality. You know, we start doing those things. And, and I mean, man, if you're a woman, you're going, what's up with that? Right? No, God made both genders to be strong and faithful and intellectual and with integrity and character and the ability to love and the ability to protect. All of these things go with both. But he said, listen, y'all can't do the same job. Okay? You, you cannot do that. And when he's talking to the Corinthians, here's what he's saying. He's going, you guys are sitting around passive. And you're supposed to be leading your families. Right? Like, here, here is kind of the verbiage of a leader. The buck stops with me. All right? Here's the deal. When God comes to judge my family, the buck is going to stop with me. All right? It, it can't be, but, but Abby, she only did her quiet times, like, in the autumn. That's the only time she did quiet times. No, that's not true. She, but, but there's no way, because what I say is, you want to know what? As for me and my family, we'll serve the Lord. That doesn't mean I have to be the smartest in my family, the most talented in my family. The mo it doesn't mean anything. It means that here's the deal. I take full responsibility for my family. Okay? Th that's the thing. And the Corinthians are going, nah, the, the guys were just kind of like passive. It, it, right? Is that, is that kind of like that today? It's kind of like, like, I hear Mike saying it, but Mike might be the only one like who really agrees with that. Is I think guys are just passive and sitting back, especially passive spiritually. Here's the truth of the matter is, is I don't know if you notice this, but in most churches, it's women. Okay? And, and, and here's the deal is, is you're, yeah, and, and, and for good reasons too. But what I'm saying is, is what ends up happening is, is dad and husbands and college guys and all that kind of stuff are like, nah, man, I want to sleep in. I want to watch the NFL. I want to watch all these things. It's been a long weekend. And you're just passive, not leading your family and letting it just go however. That's how the Corinthians were. This is a call for men to stand up and lead. All right? This, we, can't, we cannot put our own argument into this and say, oh, man, is he against women? That's not his point. He's talking to men. Like, get up, right? Stand firm. Okay, this does go back to Joshua. As for me and my family, we will serve. We won't bend. 
We won't break. We will stand firm. All right? This is one of the most difficult things, as I've shared with you guys. I have a history, and a part of my story is dealing with depression. Okay? And, it, and, and I'm telling you, it is so difficult when you're in a season of depression to, to convince yourself, listen, you must stand firm. Okay, everything in me, when I'm in that season, is like I don't want to be corrected by anyone. I don't want to be rebuked by anyone. I don't want to be challenged by anyone. I don't want to have to get up on time. I don't want to have to do any of those things. But again, he, here's the deal. You can get up, though. And it may not look like your normal Bible time. It may not look as if it's normal. But it's the idea of when the storm is like battering you, of going, no, 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 I'm not stopping, though. All right? Now, the, now the storm can slow me down. The storm can kind of like, man, this is tough to even stand up. And you're wrestling. But again, going back to, you know what's great? We have a king who's able to sympathize. It is great to pray to a king and you can go, I am struggling with my mental health right now. I am struggling with go what's going on in my mind. And to know that he's not like, dude, where's your faith? You loser. He's like, I sympathize with that. I can sympathize with that. And I will walk with you as a father would walk with their son. All right? But we can't take an excuse and go, I'm just going to be passive now. All right? It is super difficult in different seasons of life. But guys, I hope you're hearing this because I, here's what I sense with men, and I kind of know this about me too, is we look for reasons to justify our actions already. We're really good at that. And then what ends up happening, we're really prideful too and really arrogant. And so when we start like dropping the ball, the last thing we want to do is like take responsibility for it because it's embarrassing. Like, oh, crud, man, I, okay, now i got to admit that I'm not doing that. Now i got to stand up and stand firm and be responsible and all these things, right? This may be a call for you to get up and stop being an armchair quarterback spiritually, right? If you're finding it difficult, if you're finding it difficult to find things, you're going, but, you know, I'm pretty good. I do most things really well. Like, I don't have any big sins. Have you said that before? I don't have any big sins. You know, I go to church. I give my money. You know what's hilarious about that? Right? It's, that's spoken of in the New Testament, and oh, not always in a great way. No, but I go, and I give a tenth, and I do all these things, and I, but I'm missing the entire point. This is what can happen to guys. We become armchair quarterbacks, and we become complainers and grumblers, and we know what's right. And because you haven't got off the chair in so long, right? It's really easy to say, like, yeah, if somebody were to slap me in the face, I'll turn my cheek and give them the other one. It's easy to say while you're sitting in a chair, but you have to get up out of the chair to a place where somebody might slap you in the face. All right? That has to happen. And, and we, we tend to, as guys, like, like draw back from that. Like, I want to know everything, and I want to be, you know, macho and all these things, but I'm not going to get in there where somebody might punch me. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually, okay? I don't want to go in there where all of a sudden I'm going to have to go, oh, my goodness, I am struggling with this and that, and I need, I need, I need a king who can sympathize with me. If you're an armchair quarterback, you've lost connection to that. You already think you're good enough. You, already, you don't need correction because you've been a disciple for so long. 
You don't need teaching because teaching, training, correcting, and rebuking, that's for college students and high school students. That's not for older disciples. That's crazy. All right? So maybe you're sitting in the, maybe you're the armchair quarterback of the church and it's time to get out and go, you want to know what? Maybe instead of like being the guy that's like the complainer and all these kind of things is to get up and go, hey, why don't I just start walking in the spirit and actually like get on board with the team and, and go out and help and love and serve and, and, and maybe at home, you know, really allow these inner qualities to become a part of me. Okay. That, that's going to open up something for us. So he says, act like a man, be strong. And, and here's the thing. So you read this, and a lot of times, like, men's retreats, you read, like, stop at verse 14, and, like, all the guys are like, ooh, 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 yes, yeah, you know, oh, you know, all of this craziness. I mean, I've been to embarrassing men's retreats. I, I, we went to one. It wasn't even a men's retreat. It was at a conference, a college conference, and it was men, women, everything. And this joker got up and read a verse, like, verse 13. He goes, oh, and he, like, ripped his shirt up, and he's like, you guys get up here and rip your shirts off. You know, and guys started running up there and ripping their shirts off. And, and, and it was so embarrassing, okay? It was so embarrassing because I, I, I'm telling you, I didn't know my shirt was that hard to rip, okay? Uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, I'm like, why did I wear this thing, man? I wore my denim shirt that day. But, but, but here's the thing is, is, is a lot of times this can happen in churches where you got, okay, let's get the men together and like lather them up and like this frenzy and, you know, we're going to go, ah, ah, you know, and all these, all this craziness. Okay. I mean, I'm sure that the college kids that ran up there and ripped their shirts off were like, we're spiritual. This is awesome. This retreat's the best ever, you know, and going, man, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. Because <laughs> you just taught a group of guys that being a man is looking like a fool. Right? And, and that's happened plenty in campus ministries, man. You go out on campus, you act like a fool, and you get persecuted, and then you're like, man, they're persecuting Jesus. No, you're a fool. That's what they're persecuting. Okay? And so, so this is the thing is, this is a deep, deep, serious call to men. But he says this here. Listen, every action has to be done with love. Every single action. All right? Every single action, right? So as an armchair quarterback, if I'm like really great at critiquing everybody, you're going to have a really hard time figuring out how that's love, okay? Every single action. Do you remember earlier, 1 Corinthians 13, when we talked about the love chapter, and he said, listen, you can do things like perform miracles and speak in tongues. You can speak other languages. You can do amazing things, all right? That, that can happen spiritually. If we saw people doing that, we would go, they are for sure with Jesus. And Paul said, listen, you can do all that stuff, and if you don't love, man, you're a clanging symbol. You're a gong. You are not with Jesus. Okay, Th This right here is where, as guys, for us to dig into and go, how do I have a deep conviction? How do I stand firm? How can I be something to where, man, people can anchor, my family can be anchored on spiritually. How can I be that? And at the same time, be a man who loves deeply, who listens well. L listen, telling people what to do is not love. Okay, Getting frustrated when people don't do what you want them to do is not love. Okay, it, it, Love is this idea of, 
going back, I mean, if you just want the simple answer, right? I mean, it's First Corinthians 13, right? Is is patience, peace, kind? You know, I mean, or uh, love is kind of. I'm missing messing things up. It's it's one of these. As you can tell, Keith is being corrected. Um, it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind. I was messing that up with the Holy Spirit, the gifts. But, hey, listen, don't listen to that. God hopefully has zapped you from your ears so you don't hear that. Uh, love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy. It's not boastful. It's a call to humility, right? If you want to know, well, how do I dig into, like, the really deep inner recesses of that? Uh, Matthew 5 is a go-to for me. It's really is the Beatitudes. It's how do I live this out as a man? How, how am I poor in spirit? How can I be that way? Right? How, how can I mourn? And how can I hunger and thirst for righteousness and be merciful? Right? How, how, can, these, how can this be in me? Okay? Which leads me ultimately to prayer and submission and humility. Right? And so, again, do everything in love. And the greatest, the greatest of that is just laying down your life. That may be the correction of all corrections to go, who would you lay your life down for? Not, not just who would you, who are you? Like you're going, your life's more important than mine. Your needs are more important than mine. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to be, you know, inconvenienced. Who are those people, right? And so he goes on. He said, listen, there's this household. They're doing great things. They're serving the Lord. He finishes up the word here. He says, the churches in Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you. Let me ask you this, okay, because, man, you can go to different churches and all those kind of things. You know, here's my experience with people that have gone to different churches and things, is they tend to be like the messenger of what's wrong in the church they were just at. Okay? And so what do I mean by that? Is somebody comes, that, you know, and it's like, you know, let's say Mike and Summer, they go over and they visit the church in Athens, and they come back and go, man, you want to know what they really are bad at? Man, they're struggling. They're struggling over there. Right? And go, that's very different. Paul could have gone and said, Corinthians, guys, not even sure about them. Whatever the narrative was, the churches in Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, as well as the church. He says, all the brothers greet you, all right? This is like they've heard some things that are good, okay? And again, you go to 2 Corinthians 8, Paul was actually bragging about them. Isn't that amazing? All the brothers greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss, right? Every single guy in the church is like, amen, that's awesome, right? I'm, where was this when I was in high school, right? I had a state at church. Just let it sink in a second. We don't have to do this, by the way. Can I tell you? All right. All right. R really. Don't feel like you have to. If you want to, great. I mean, be, but like, you know, I mean, make sure you're not like doing this and somebody's like, get away from me. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It's about the greeting. Right. I mean, hey, give a hug. Be warm. I think that's one of the things that, man, we miss out on is it, it always kind of kind of tweaks me a little bit when we get together as a church and people just kind of like walk past each other with no acknowledgement, nothing, no like, hey, it's great to see you. This is great, man. I love being here. It's like just kind of ignoring. I'm like, come on, man. We don't have to greet him with a holy kiss, but let's greet each other warmly. How about that? Okay. And then he says, if anyone doesn't love the Lord, a curse be on him. Uh, Maranatha, that is Lord come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. 
And to finish up this book right here, um, here, here's what's important. For Paul to be able to say that honestly, for Paul to be able to, to tell the Corinthians who were actively working against him, they didn't like him, all right? They didn't like what he was saying. They didn't like what he was teaching. They didn't like these things, okay? If you've ever had somebody who's an adversary, right? And for Paul to say, listen, my love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. There's only one way me and you can do that, all right? Is we have to acknowledge that people are dearly loved by God. If that's not, and what do I mean by that? It means like if you've ever been like tweaked at somebody, you know, when I am, the last thought that goes through my mind, in fact, I think God's on my side. The last thing that goes through my mind is, you want to know what? That brother, that sister, let me acknowledge and understand and live by the fact that they are dearly loved by God. But what if they're really bad? What if they're not Christians? God created, God knew every human being. All right? You're crazy if you think that because someone's not a Christian, God doesn't love them. But if we don't acknowledge that, we get on our kind of self-righteousness of why I don't have to love you or why my love can be harsh. But it's the idea of, let me just share, if you're in a conflict, if you're having trouble with somebody, the starting point has to be, let me pray and thank God and celebrate the fact that they are dearly loved by God. It changes the whole ballgame. It changes everything. So we're finishing up with this. I hope as you heard, I hope there are some things that corrected and taught and rebuked. I hope that the scripture itself can be encouraging also, right? We're going to take our communion at this point. And again, communion is one of those times, li listen, for real, you can talk to whoever you want to talk to about it. I mean, this isn't like it has to be a monastery in here. But some of you also, you just need some time to pray and to think and to be in some silent meditation. And that's okay too, right? But we have to remember one thing, right? The beauty of communion isn't let me beat myself up until God will love me. But it's the idea of thank you that you are a sympathetic king that died and rose again. And you calling us to, uh, you're calling us away from sin. But thank you for grace and mercy. We're, we're acknowledging the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? This is the entirety of the gospel, okay? So if you want to talk about that with the person next to you, go ahead you want to pray that's awesome too but let's make sure that we're locked in on the purpose of why we're doing this so let's pray and then we'll take our communion thanks for joining us if you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions please visit clemsonfoothills.com you can also text foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at cfc